Hello, humans. It's Rob with Not A Robot Podcast here with a return to the Pride comic review. This time we are looking at Fanny Galactic, Tuck to the Future. Apparently some of you heard our previous episodes and loved it, so we're back! Thank you so much for the love. In response, we are working on some more content to bring straight to your ears, so stay tuned for more. If you've got something to say, send us an email to notarobotcomics at gmail.com, and you can get us on Twitter too, at notarobotcomics. And if you want your mail read on the show, just let us know. We've got a great group of humans, many of whom identify as members of the LGBTQ plus community, and we're from all over the Not A Robot podcast network. So my name is Rob, he, him, and I identify as bisexual. You can find me on Twitter at Rob underscore 2814. With me today, we have Holly. Hello, I am Holly. I identify as uh, she, and I am bisexual. You can find me on Twitter at notamombot. Perfect. And we have Jessica. Hi, she, her. I also identify as bisexual. Um, Twitter, I recently changed my handle. I think I'm just at Jessica Hopko. And perfect. And we have Caitlin as well. Hi, yeah. She, they, finger guns. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MXThunderFunk. I'm so happy oh, to be here. I love that Twitter handle. I don't know if I ever <laughs> told you. I, I, it makes me giggle every time I see it. <laughs> So yeah, the bipod is riding again, which yeah. is like the pseudo name we've given ourselves. I love it. <laughs> uh, so before we get started, what's new, folks? Anything newsworthy in the air? Mm, LGBTQ related. Um, the new season of Atypical came out, and one of the characters like officially came out as bi in the show, which was so cool. And I'm hopeful nice. for little Jessica's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I've been meaning to check that show out. I haven't had the time. It's uh, on for the Americans Netflix? out there, there's a map circulating that I first saw on Reddit, but has turned up other places, that shows the gayest counties in the U.S. relative to the average population. And I am uh, thrilled to announce that the highest concentration of bisexuals is in Suffolk County, Massachusetts, right <laughs> around Boston. <laughs> <laughs> That's an nice. interesting map. <laughs> I like that. I wonder if there's one for Canada. I gotta check that out. It would just be Toronto and Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see that. I mean, but ours looks the... very like East Coast and West Coast have a lot of green, and then you get kind of to the South, and not so much. Yeah. And there's just Chicago, this one shiny center. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's some fun stuff to go on. Yes, yeah, I don't really have anything newsworthy myself right now, but it's it's just great to be back, and I I hope to be bringing this to everybody for a while. And I hope you guys feel the same way. It's so much fun. It is. I love it. Okay, so now it's time for the book. I guess we can get into that. Today we have, like I said before, Fanny Galactic, Tuck to the Future, from writer Chris Fields, with art and letters by Edward Bentley. And this is about a drag queen called Fanny Galactic who has a long-running karaoke show, and during her 25th anniversary show, some old friends, in quotations, stop by and cause a malfunction that sends Fanny 100 years into the future. This future is run by Sybil Disorder, a rival of Fanny's, and the one responsible for bringing her to the future in the first place. Fanny meets a group of freedom fighters, and through a big adventure, Fanny makes it to Sybil's throne room to end the madness for good. 
After a few surprises during the final event, Fanny is sent back through time, but this time a little further back than planned. I won't give away the whole book because it is a very fun read that I think should be experienced, and I implore you all to pick this up and give it a read or two. So, getting into the book, I'll start with the art style, because I, I thought it was a very unique art style, and there was a bit of discussion when we first saw the book that it it reminded some of us of Archer, mm. and I, okay. I, I was thinking of another Cartoon Network show, I can't remember which one now, but it... I really enjoyed it. It was I thought it was very unique and very different, but fit the tone of the book very well. What did you guys feel about it? Yeah, I completely agree. Um the the real thick lines, um definitely like Archer, uh maybe even like a little bit of uh Johnny Bravo mm-hmm. perhaps. Um I loved every single like one of the the chapter splashes. Um, kind of that throwback, like seventies rainbow vibe. Just yeah. that's right up my alley. Yeah, that was a nice touch. I also yeah, I thought of like Borderlands. Like I know that's a video game, but oh, the no. art style, oh, that's a specifically good one, yeah. with like the robots, made me think of it. Yeah, the thick lines honestly bring that to mind as well. That's a really good point. Yeah, I liked it a lot, and I felt like for me, I'm someone who. Um, sometimes struggles visually with reading comics like as a pdf or in a web viewer um it's just harder like my brain doesn't want to read them that way so this art style was a lot easier to take in than some others um and it was just it (laughs) it was easier for me to read which was Mm -hmm. you know i agree yeah i just didn't like the green text boxes it was hard to read that font that was my only complaint with the choices they made in terms of the book as itself. Yeah, you had to really zoom in on those. Yeah. Like, I forget the character's name, but the doctor, every time he spoke, it's like a little green text box, but the font that they use is different. Mm-hmm. And just, I don't know if it's just too stretched out width-wise and not tall enough to distinguish some of the letters. It was just... A little bit trickier. Not that it was difficult by any means, but if I could pick apart one thing, I'd be like, just maybe make this font a little bit easier to read. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. a very robotic font. Very, very flat, mm-hmm. though. I can see that. But I wondered if, if was... they chose that because he's a robot. Yeah. He's, I just think of... Floating television. Yeah. <laughs> I just think of, like, the digital clock font. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. it's those really squared out... Um, mm-hmm. Like a B looks like an eight almost, mm-hmm. whereas these are just so flat height wise. It felt that there probably would be multiple robot fonts they could have picked. I just felt like this one might not have been the best choice. Maybe it was just because of the green background. Honestly, ah! maybe if it was, yeah. if it was still in a black and white. I'm sorry. It just it just maybe. occurred to me that of course we all had trouble with this. We are not a robot. <laughs> <laughs> that's it exactly I <laughs> there you have it folks <laughs> don't be a robot <laughs> oh well okay so what did we all think of the story I thought it was super fun um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a sci-fi nerd um, so time travel stories are always interesting to me. So this was fun. I'm a little, some of it was, I think this is not the first book 
in the series, correct? Is the that's, second... that's honestly something I was trying to look up, and I, I couldn't find it, because every time I typed in Fanny Galactic, it just gave me Tucked at the Future. I couldn't find okay. a first one, but so it did this feel that way. One. But there were, there were some spaces where I felt like I was missing a little context, um, and maybe that will get filled out later. Maybe it won't. Things like... Um, mm. You know, we get to the future and Civil Disorder runs the future. Did she time travel there? Or has she just been yeah. alive this whole time and not well, really I aged? I didn't figure that out either. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's I, I, that was a little confusing. There was a one page near the end mm-hmm. that um, I could be misremembering. I'm trying to look for it now where she ended up younger. She was also, she she just aged older and then somehow ended up through some scientific mumbo jumbo she ended up de aging okay. that or she just dyed her hair I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I think they talk about how the doctor kept her alive using experiments or something that like he's been her doctor the whole time um, okay. okay I I think she is old I'm just not entirely clear if she. Like started in this future, time traveled back to f- mess with Fanny, and is now old because it's been a hundred years or something like that. That part I'm not clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they definitely make her seem to be uh, almost ageless. Even even though she does age, it's it's like I I think maybe that that could be the perceptive of the reader because they leave it so open ended. Yeah. And I do agree with what Caitlin said. Most of it was enjoyable. It's more of a like fun romp. I wouldn't say that this is anything super deep. Like um, it didn't feel like there was a overarching message of equality or anything to do with that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Which again, it doesn't need. Um, things are allowed to just be fun, and I definitely enjoyed it. But there were those moments of, is it going to explain this more in a follow-up or is there a prequel that i missed even in the beginning with fanny getting ready for her drag show like with her partner that relationship it felt like we should already know stuff about that relationship mm-hmm. yeah well i mean this is a it's a kickstarter um i don't see any other stories uh by them off the top of my head like off the off this particular one um, not digging a whole lot here, but it does look like it, this is like kind of a standalone thing. And, and I completely agree with uh, your your term that it's it's a fun romp because it, it reminded me so much of uh, like my time spent at a, a, a bar in Chattanooga called Allen Gold's. And it was, I mean, if you've never been to a drag show like that alone is like a few hours of of romping fun and uh this was this was that inside a comic book and it was so great <laughs> hmm. so i'm just doing another search and i found another book by the same writer chris fields i hope i'm pronouncing that right <laughs> called crime and disorder and disorder is spelt the same way as civil disorder ah. so oh. maybe so maybe there's more civil out there Maybe. I don't know. I, I definitely I want to the... do a bit more digging with this. I also love her. Sybil was probably my favorite character. Yeah. Yeah. 
Her drag name is spot on. It is. <laughs> I think that's my favorite part about drag queens is the different puns that they can come up with. That it it sometimes it feels so obvious that you're left sitting here <laughs> like, but I didn't think of it. So yeah, they're great. There's um, in the first chapter. There's a panel. Um, of Sybil like doing a power pose finger gun after an explode like and it's that very cool guys don't look back at explosions they just walk away (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there was uh, with the story I know we we mentioned the beginning it felt like there was more to it there when I did my first read through I went back when I was writing some notes for this and I went back to the beginning and knowing how it ended and where the characters sat, the beginning made a bit more sense. There's still some stuff that really feels like there was a prequel to this, but the at least the first chapter f- makes it a lot more sense and flows a bit better. So some of this might do better with the second read-through, but it, it honestly feels like a much more coherent story once you know everything that's happened, and that's that's time travel in a nutshell. <laughs> Yeah, and I think yeah. there right there were moments when I had to like you know I was confused and I had to back up a few panels and try again, um, but I I don't know you know we're referencing was there an earlier book that might have set some of this foundation, um, but I think the thing is to jump to me is there an earlier book where there would be you know another story or another adventure because if they had spent a chapter just establishing who everyone is. Um, I don't know. I think that would have been less fun. Yeah. Kind of, you know? It didn't just... need... Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It didn't need to do more than it did. It just felt like we were stepping into the action, which is good. But since that first chapter is kind of almost reestablishing their relationships, like the relationship that Fanny has to the other drag queens who come to her show and are making fun of her being on the front page of the newspaper it felt like there was some intent behind their shadiness rather than just drag queens being shady which we find out later like what the actual story was that got her on the newspaper and all that kind of stuff so it did explain a little bit more that like okay i can see how someone being touted as a hero for what fanny did could be comical or ironic based on Mm -hmm. whatever else is happening in the world yeah, they the story of how she got into the newspaper the first time because the second time was just it's she's been doing this for twenty five years. The story of the first time never really got fleshed out either. Like we we know what started, but we don't really know how it resolved. <laughs> yeah, and I'm wondering if that's ever going to come back. I have a feeling it's not. It's just never going to be referenced again. Well, didn't they um, like when she's explaining? herself to the people in the future I think it's like page like 30 oh yeah 33 um she like finds a baby I thought that was what yeah she no this is what I'm saying she finds a baby and then they show a picture of her like holding the baby standing next to a policeman but we like it's not clear what happened to that baby (laughs) (laughs) are they okay (laughs) (laughs) They're not in the dumpster anymore. That's a great first step. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Agreed. 
the police officer took it to the fire station, I guess. I, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I yeah. think the, the odds are either it's never going to come up again or, you know, depending on how much longevity this series gets way down the line, that baby is going to come back in a big way. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. I- one one day sometime in time fanny's going to be stuck in a situation this man or woman or yeah, they never really said uh baby. whatever baby yeah. or Listen, grown up babies don't know their gender yet exactly <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly dumpster uh, babies this... just need love <laughs> <laughs> and to be rescued from the dumpsters <laughs> But this this grown person could just walk in and be like, remember when you saved me from that dumpster that one time? I'm going to save you from this dumpster. <laughs> and that's I, it. And now we're just, even. Yeah. <laughs> Never contact me again. Just scoop you out of the Star Wars compactor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So what did we think of Fanny as a character? I thought Fanny was brilliant. I love her. I and I love especially like so much of queer culture is is youth obsessed. I am digging that our our hero is 60 years old. Mhm. Yes. But you could not tell. I I, I keep having oh, no, to remind myself that, that she's 60. Yeah. <laughs> she she looks 30. Yeah. My one it wish might, might just be the art style, but it's contour. It, it's 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 fantastic. <laughs> My one wish was that she just had more of a motive like it felt like most of it happened to her she didn't have a lot of agency and like she gets out of a scrape obviously she's like the protagonist and working through what she has to do to survive basically and try to get back to her own time it just felt like she wasn't able to really showcase who she is like it felt like it was more so the characters around her but that happens in lots of stories that like we look at any protagonist they're kind of supposed to be like a stand-in for the reader or the viewer and then all the side characters have tropes or characteristics that are more unique but yeah i did enjoy that it was kind of that whole um am i still doing this why am i still doing this should i keep doing this i've been at this for however many years i just wish that I don't know. Maybe I missed it. It just felt like she, as a character, didn't have a ton of characterization once the end of the first chapter happened. I agree, but it reminded me... It didn't bother me as much. Um, I think maybe because I'm used to that in time travel fiction. Like you said, Mm. she's kind of the stand-in for us, right? Mm. For the reader who doesn't know what's going on. And so to me her getting through this book where she is trying to figure out what she's doing, but mostly she's just reacting to what's going on around her felt similar to say the first few episodes of Farscape or, um, or even Futurama, you know, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say she's quite Philip J. Fry, but (laughs) she's a little more clever than that. But you know, she's got to sort of get the lay of the land before Mm -hmm. she can really make, stronger decisions and i think in the next book um oh where she's in a different time there'll be a lot more room for that mm-hmm. totally and i think that would also play into her getting her footing as we see like you say in lots of those kinds of science fiction stories is that usually the first um like kind of whirlwind 
and then after that there's more room to have agency very mm-hmm. true and and her the the lack of her involvement in uh you know what's happening to her could even be a comment on the character uh especially if she's you know questioning what am i even doing here Mm-hmm. It, I hope this one gets a second win. Yeah. I think she deserves it. Definitely. Do we, yeah. Is it still in Kickstarter? Do we need to direct people to <laughs> to kickstart this comic? I, I think you can purchase it through the Kickstarter, but I don't. It's definitely not still live. Like it's not mm-hmm. trying to reach a goal. I think it completed and shipped out to those who kickstarted. But I think you can still buy the book. If through you that. To. I, pretty sure I, I saw this on amazon as well so i think that nice. that goal has cool. is been out and this book's been out for a bit now mm-hmm. but it's still a great read and definitely just pick it up <laughs> if you love indie comics this is definitely one that goes on the shelf oh it looks like crime and disorder Agreed. is the follow-up to this one oh, okay oh, perfect okay. Oh. so that's coming well then there we go I'm thrilled i'm thrilled <laughs> yes. um so I have to ask, did, did you all, still talking about Fanny, when you read comic books, do you imagine what um, the characters' voices sound like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's me, a big discussion in, in comics yeah, about internal her, voices. I, like, my first impression of Fanny was that she looks kind of like Pam Poovey, again, because we were in the Archer Zone. But <laughs> as we as I kept reading it, I just, she sounded like Harvey Firestein to me. <laughs> oh yeah that's just a fantastic I had, voice i love harry firestein's voice <laughs> <laughs> i had like a weird like divine kind of gravel but with like um uh oh i'm trying to remember who it was that i like you said it just pops into your head so i'm trying mm. to like dissect the different parts of it like smokes a lot because also british like the authors and the publishers seem british and the mm. setting was British in the opening chapter. Um, so definitely got like a little bit of like, oh, I'm a terrible impressionist, but um, like, <laughs> want to be a star? I can make you a star, but with oh. like 10 packs of smokes, <laughs> like that kind of voice. Oh, yeah, they are. They yeah. are British, which is why uh, warning for any of our this side of the Atlantic friends who pick this book up. Do not be alarmed. That is not the F slur in the first few pages. They are just talking about cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's yes. That's how I love to refer to cigarettes, and I know I can't. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, they call people who are obsessed with uh, with British stuff like Ang- Anglophiles. Oh, Anglophiles. There we go. There we go. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is me. I got super called out. This is tendentially related. In the first season of UK Drag Race, the first episode they did looks for Queen Elizabeth. And I was watching it with a bunch of my friends. We were having a watch party. And one queen would come around the corner and I'd be like, oh, the Order of the Garter. And then it would pop up on the bottom of the screen, Order of the Garter, and then show a queen picture for reference. And all my friends like looked at me. I'm like, sorry. They're like, no, no, no. If you can do it, like, go ahead. (laughs) So for the rest of that runway, I kept doing it. (laughs) And then one of them came around the corner. I was like, where's her purse? And then Michelle read them for not having a purse. I was like, (laughs) ha ha. 
<laughs> Me being into the royal family pays off in drag queens. Awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there's definitely some moments of humor that if you miss that it was British, you might be a little confused, but it definitely doesn't overpower this book at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's easy to get into the idea. I my family is is Scottish, so I I grew up living in Canada, but I grew up with Britain on the mind and basically living British practically, and I still had to remind myself that this was inherently in London, and it's just not very apparent most of the time. Well, I mean, to be fair, she does yeah. travel through time. Yeah, exactly. Things, things look a little different a hundred yeah. years in the future. Yeah, but even even my internal voice, um, I depending on the character, I still try to give my internal voices the right accent, and mm-hmm. I kept having to remind myself, no, they're they're British. Give them an English accent, they're not American. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's the good thing about stories, though. You know, you can transcend dialects and accents and all that, and just enjoy the. Exactly. Just enjoy the ride. That's it. So, speaking now of the side characters, and I, I didn't know who to differentiate between a side character and a main character, so I'll I'll figure everybody besides Fanny is a side character. What did we think of of them? And we can start with um, start with Sally, who I'm, I'm honestly is probably one of my favorite side characters. <laughs> I feel so bad for Sally. Yeah. That reveal was a little shocking near the end. Mm-hmm. And it seems like early on, she... I mean, she was, you know, just part of the gang. Mm-hmm. One of these friends. Yeah. Who was going along, doing her, doing her thing, going to the show every week, bitching the whole time. Um, you know, as we all do when you truly love someone who organizes the same karaoke show every week for 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It felt like, um, yeah, I, like we already talked about, um, Sybil and our own clarity of whether she was from the future, travel back in time or just aged a long time. Um, it felt like the treatment of Sally made me lean more towards Sybil was from the future, came back in time to like find tools to manipulate, almost, rather than being a true friend who then turns on her friends. Mm-hmm. But again, it's all kind of up for interpretation, and it is, like we said, a fun romp. So reading too much into it, it might have just been for shock value, plus it helped Fanny be able to get out of that if there had been a different quote-unquote horror movie monster kind of thing that she had to deal with. The writer would have had to come up with a way for Fanny to know how to combat that at 60 years old. (laughs) So there are (laughs) limits to what could be done. Um, But I, I think it worked out in Fanny's favor. For the detriment of Sally. <laughs> I'm struggling a little bit yeah. with these characters with like, I don't want to spoil the entire book. So I'm trying, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I'm a little on the fence about like what to be forthcoming about and what not mm-hmm. to when it comes to plot elements. Um, 
but suffice it to say, Sally, Sally got kind of a raw deal <laughs> in the future. Yeah, I, her demeanor throughout the story is honestly probably what makes her my favorite character. That even in in the future, this horrific thing has happened to her, but she still acts like Fanny's friend and like no bad blood between them in a way. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and I think, uh, yeah, in the end just helps save the day. Yeah. And I think that that's reflective of the community in a lot of ways. Um, you know, especially with older queer people, um, where, you know, maybe there's someone in your circle who you're not always the biggest fan of, but this is your family and you, you know, your found family and you stick by each other because, the world often is not going to be there for you. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully that continues to get less and less true as things go on. Not people being loyal to each other, but the, you know, the necessity to sort of band together um, in self-defense. But I think, yeah, that's especially true for queer people who, you know, lived through, let's say, the, the 80s and the 90s and survived. And, you you know, you have who's left and you have to make it work mm-hmm. that's a yeah that's a good well you, you do it you, you, you can't change the past and you do have to make it work that is very well said or can you if you have a time machine yeah. <laughs> we're gonna find out yeah. it also reminded me of the like only i'm allowed to be mean to my friends you need to back off <laughs> oh yeah oh, i sure. earned the right to be mean to them <laughs> I'm allowed to make fun of their outfits and their drag shows. Um, yeah, she deserves her own book, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah. Sybil kind of got a chance to shine and do this thing in this book. And so I'm going to start a petition for Sally to get one, too. <laughs> Maybe book yes. three. I also, I also need to know more about her Titanic tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That that's... One of the most, and I'm I'm trying so hard not to give away the ending, but <laughs> that yeah, it could could get explained. Mm-hmm. Tune in. Um, so we'll move on to, and I'm just looking. I my memory is horrible. I think I my favorite my part about this book was um, like the Kevin Terrence arc. Yes. Um, like, okay. That reveal, except my other problem, though, was the pages with them were so far apart that I almost forgot what the last page had shown. Like, it it was kind of the B-plot. And so going back and forth, I had to, like, scroll up and down with the big reveal to be like, okay, who wrote that? Who's it from? Like, I had to piece together in my brain, okay, and that is, okay, and these are, okay, I've got it. (laughs) just because it confused me because of how spaced out it was. But there were so many questions left. I was like, what? Who? <laughs> Please explain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So can you all settle for me? The, the half robot, the cyborg man. Yeah. Um, this is the same person who, when they went out with the t-shirts, he got injured when they exploded the bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now he's a cyborg man. Yeah. And, and so the two it. of them are still in love. 
Okay. I th- like I thought that, but I wasn't. I kept mixing up who was Kevin and who was Terrence and who was Rome. I kept getting their names confused. <laughs> yeah. So and it threw me off. Kevin and Terrence are the couple. Kevin got injured. And then Russell is the friend who, with Terrence, met Fanny in the future. Okay. I th- See, I was mixed up again. I confused mm-hmm. Kevin and Russell. Yeah, same. Okay. And... I think a lot of that came down to, like, specifically the page 40. I was like, okay, so you were Terrence, and you were injured. <laughs> you were together. Your shirt said it. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I was right there with you. I was like, who? Because the difference between Terrence and Russell is their hair color by, like, a smidgen. Yeah. One of them has slightly more orange hair. It's, and it's okay very to hard different to different twinks. You don't all have to wear <laughs> <laughs> the same outfit. <laughs> In their defense, it was a stag do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so, like, so this is, so, gosh, he got injured because he blew up, like, it was basically a hate crime, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he blew up, like, these robots and stuff. And then, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, he became one. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wasn't. And then his part. Clear, like, I think, was that a resistance thing? Because at that point. Sybil had already taken over, and that was the bar where the the robo drag guards hung out. Yeah, so it they felt, were blowing up the robots okay. that hunt down the drag, drag. queens. Yeah. Oh, okay. It felt like I missed that. One of them planned a stag, and then the other one was like, "But what if we make it political?" <laughs> See, I don't like, think the stag oh. was real. They said something about yeah. the shirts being like, "I don't, I don't." I think that was a, a ruse. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally fair. It, oh, maybe, yeah. yeah. You can tell that they're freedom fighters, but yeah, there was just certain things that were probably purposefully left a little vague, but then it made it more confusing later on. And then it just ended abruptly to then finish the final fight with the A plot and then more time travel. And I was like, no, come back. i like closure i'm one of those people where like anytime a story is like what happened we're gonna leave it up to you i'm like no tell me (laughs) (laughs) just five minutes more (laughs) yeah five minutes more i don't need the whole thing you don't need to tell me that they lived off for 40 years and then one of them died of cancer i don't need that part but (laughs) when it's like we're gonna leave you right before they kiss again it's like no (laughs) what (laughs) (laughs) and and that that's honestly i think one of the sadder things about kevin is he gets caught in this explosion and gets turned into a robot or android i cyborg i never remember which one's which and is just whether it's against his will seems a little evil now Mm -hmm. and that's that's heartbreaking but it's also why you should be a robot. But it's it's just sad. <laughs> he still has white text though, so Yeah. I, I don't think he's full robot like the doctor. But. Well in the notes at the back of the book it did mention that it at least for his head it's a mask. Mm. Or a helmet, which the design kind of didn't make it look that way because it looked like his neck was all wires. Yeah. But mm-hmm. apparently he's still 
under that mask is still inherently human. That's some Darth Vader stuff. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's that. That's most of the side characters that I can remember, that I can think of. Poor Fanny's think- partner. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's just like there to be like, "Hello, newspaper. All right, see mm-hmm. you later." Yeah. <laughs> I thought Dennis the robot was really cool. Yeah, I was. I was just looking that, up Dennis the robot. That must have been fun to to come up with and create. He was the the friendly robot barman. Yeah. Okay, so with the story as a whole, how, and I know it's a little out there being time travel and all, how would this translate into our world? How how realistic would this be, time travel aside? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think not just, <laughs> not just the time travel, but the, the whole premise of the toxic drag queen uprising. Um, seemed a little far-fetched to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little fanciful. Um, And something that I have heard certain um, conservative pundits express terror over the possibility of. (laughs) 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 Which always cracks me up. (laughs) The gays are trying to take over. (laughs) Who will think of the children? (laughs) The gays, the gays, the gays often think of the children. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys don't. The drag queens are saving babies from dumpsters. I don't know what you That's all have it. been doing for the exactly. children. Exactly, right? <laughs> I think like the only corollary I could find was that with the rise of RuPaul's Drag Race and the popularity of it, it's great for the LGBTQ community as a whole to have more visibility. But I was reading an article about how we need more shows like it that have that sort of visceral connection to the greater population outside of the LGBTQ community rather than just drag queens that it's almost like drag queens as a community need to uphold (laughs) the whole community because they're the only ones with the visibility currently which is sad and we do have TV shows coming out but I wouldn't say any of them are as popular as Drag Race has become, which again, not a bad thing, but at its current state, it's all the hopes and dreams of all of the letters of the spectrum being held up by drag queens alone. So if the drag community, again, it's getting better, especially it seems with the past couple of seasons with more trans participants in the show, but it definitely feels like it could become almost like gatekeeper or just that the general public won't get that kind of queer history about the other letters. You know what I mean? Like, especially mm-hmm. like season nine had a lot of this where they talked a lot about all the history of queer culture and drag culture and all that kind of stuff, which was amazing and so good. So well done. Um, teaching the children. <laughs> <laughs> but it'd be so nice to have something like that for the lesbian community or something like that. I watched um, a documentary about this couple from Canada. There were two girls who went to the States to play softball or slow pitch. Um, I don't know if oh, they're different. I want to see so that. They, so it was really good, but they 
basically in the States because of where they were living, um, they were able to basically kind of be a couple with this very small closeted group. But then when they came home to Canada, they had to just, oh, this is my roommate. And then Mm. like for a few years, just because the general public, it wasn't necessarily illegal at that point. I don't remember what year they came back to Canada. Um, but there was a lot of, oh, yes, my roommate, your Aunt Sally, my, my roommate. Yes, yep, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to come. Um, but then kind of the family had to, like, it's okay. <laughs> you can tell us. And so, like, now they're, um, by the end of the um, documentary, they were, like, in a f- home. And, like, everyone in the home was super respectful, like, the staff and the other, um, like, residents. And all that kind of stuff. So they were like finally able to kind of relax and be themselves like they had been in the past when they lived in the States in that very small community that was more open minded and had more gay members. So it's that kind of story where I'm like, I wish there was more of a bigger outreach <laughs> to show people these kinds of stories and same thing for all the different identities. So what I'm hearing is... Uh people of the world make the bipod as popular as RuPaul's Drag Race (laughs) (laughs) we will bring you these for the children (laughs) for the children (laughs) we have a real mom in everything (laughs) right yeah so it was just that was the only thing I could think of that kind of hearkened back to real world quote unquote was that it was drag queens, drag bots, um, focusing on that drag aspect in the future, which again, nothing wrong with. I would just be curious if there was different bots for different letters. (laughs) Like, okay, we got the drag bots, they're going out, and we got the bi bots, they're going to go round up some bi's. (laughs) Perhaps. That that does seem, like, I mean, I know that there's a lot of hairspray involved, but that seems like a lot of stuff to hold up, you Mm know? And historically, drag queens and and um, that whole scene uh, sort of has held up uh, everybody else in the in the alphabet and the rainbow, mm-hmm. um, and and even the people who probably don't deserve it after a while. Because um, and I think that has to do a lot with the theater aspect of it, um, because when you are able to express yourself artistically. Um, and then communicate your thoughts and feelings and things like that. It helps you process things a whole lot differently. Um, so you become more equipped and prepared to speak with people and to hold up the rest of the community. However, it is time for other people to start sharing those stories mm-hmm. and, and um, in the creative ways that, that we've seen and, and take those examples and, and go ahead and, and join the story. So. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And that's well the other thing. It, it I can't critique it any farther than I can throw it because it is probably one of the first drag queen comic books like with so little content trying to ask more of it is not undeserved but it is good in its own right for all the things that it is representing. I'm just ready for more. Yes. Do all of it. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Being impatient and ready for more mm-hmm. um, can can make it. Yes. But uh, th- this this reminded me so much of my early 20s, um, working all week, 
and then starting to pregame at like five. So I could be at the drag show by nine to get the good table and out on the dance floor until at least three. So (laughs) this whole book was like, yes, like come, come to the drag, drag show everyone. And, and then throw some superheroes into it. Um, but anyone else, any other writers, any other any other people that want to do comic books or, or anything, like we need more stories mm. just like this mm-hmm. from different perspectives. 100%. Definitely. Yeah, the more real-world experience you've got, just put it to the paper. Give it to us. No pressure, so you, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> After these messages, we'll be right back. Now, back to our program. And just kind of a another note about the, the story as it relates to our world. There's a... Um, I mean, it's indicated in here that one of the things that drove a wedge between Sybil and Fanny is the way that they each, you know, experienced the AIDS crisis and how they got through it. Um, and, I mean, AIDS is part of our history. It's always going to be, and it's it's a real dark part of queer history and and reality now and gosh what a relief to read a queer story that acknowledges you know that that's happened without bumming me out in a huge way because (laughs) still just having so much fun traveling through time and and fighting robots and Uh yeah it was respectful of history without um kind of lingering on Mm -hmm. without dragging it down yeah Mm. You got to keep living. Mm-hmm. Very, That's right. Very mm-hmm. true. The thing I was just thinking about that it's not inherently part of the book, but just really made me think realistically. So they they were talking about the '80s when the three of them were originally together, and then Fanny, as her solo show, has been going for 25 years, and that 25 years ago was at least when this book was out. It's 1995 Mm -hmm. and that they make it seem like it's been such a long time. But for me, that wasn't that long ago still. (laughs) Yeah. I remember 1995. (laughs) (laughs) I was too. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, same with all those (laughs) kinds of things where like thinking about how like the eighties is 40 years ago. No, it's not. (laughs) It's hard to, like, take a step back and look at the whole timeline instead of our perception of time and think about how short things have been in the grand scheme of time, basically. Like, same thing with, um, sorry, excuse me, like, even Stonewall. It feels like a different generation, but some of them are still up. Like, there's not that big a gap, really. Um, but then in other ways there are gaps yeah it's all it's yeah. also recent i was looking um i was looking things up recently and for when did you know just as a point of comparison all four twilight books and movies were released before we had legalized gay marriage across the u.s well, uptown then. funk wow. predates <laughs> <laughs> the song uptown funk which you still get stuck in your head on a regular basis predates legal gay marriage across the country 
Yeah, that's a that's mm. a you guys thing. Yeah, that is. A problem <laughs> I, for I can't us. quite relate to that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, it, I definitely understand it. Like, um, it was we moved into our new house and down the street from us because I grew up in a military town, so there were constantly new neighbors. And down the street, moved in a couple, uh, Nikki and Judy. And I don't know why, but my dad missed the fact that it was Nikki and Judy. Because mm-hmm. Nikki oh. dressed pretty masculine, had crew cut, was in the military, all these different things. My parents got along with them swimmingly. Um, and then they were packing up to move away. And my dad was like, oh, yeah, Nick and Judy are so much fun. And my mom was like, Nikki. And he was like, what? Like, he just didn't realize that she was a woman and that the they were gay. <laughs> yeah, like two years. And I'm like, dad. Wow. And he's like, I, we got along fine. And I guess it probably <laughs> was just that, like, he to Nikki never had to use pronouns like mm-hmm. you don't really talk to someone and say their pronouns it's more so referencing them to other people and my dad's not a gossip or anything so it was never that he was talking about them to anyone else either so it just never came up but I was like how how did we go two years and you didn't realize he's like we went to their house for drinks like I just I, I didn't clue in <laughs> I'm like okay sure but I think just because it wasn't a taboo up here if it had been then it might have gone differently, but because it wasn't a taboo, it wasn't even really a question or a concern, and they didn't need to hide, and it wasn't anybody else on the streets' concern. Yeah, I think it was 94, 95, maybe. There was, um, it was still, so this is five years after, you know, the 80s, where we're just coming out of the AIDS crisis and stuff, and there were people, like, lining up at um, like the Senate floor talking about how this could be basically saying the most, like I remember this little old lady um, and Tosh Point and anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, she was already like, she was there just saying like, yeah, you can get this stuff from doorknobs. You can, you know, if, if someone has sex with, with another, you know, person of the same sex or whatever or or anybody to have that has to do with this life like she was like going on about like these saying these vile things on the senate floor and people i mean people believe that stuff you know like that that people just because of their lifestyle or whatever like are inhuman when they're not mm-hmm. it's very easy to other and then as soon as it's us versus them you will believe anything you want that fits your narrative. Yeah. And so it's really nice that it's slow, but breaking down the competition almost between us and them, making things seem more um, connected or more relevant to the general population. Like even um, my girlfriends who like don't know any gay people personally, just living in smaller towns anyone who was gay would move to the city where they had communities. Um, all of my friends like, Oh, I watch RuPaul and all this stuff. And I'm sitting here. I'm like, that's great that you now connect with them. And they talk about the pit crew and I'm like, okay. So it seemed for parts of it, like RuPaul's drag race, because it's men dressing as women who are then hitting on men. Because the visual of female presentation um, expressing what views like a heterosexual interest, that it might be 
like we already talked about the theater and art of it, it might be that easier pill to swallow of this looks like the definition I have of sex mm-hmm. between the genders, which isn't mm-hmm. ideal. And I'm not saying that it's wrong or bad or anything like that, but it is. I'm curious if it helps bridge the gap between the us and them that I know it's a man dressed as a woman hitting on a man, but, and maybe that's why part of it is as popular as it is, perhaps. I might be reading too much into that also. Do you guys get Queer Eye in Canada? Show. Yep. Cool. Not the original one. I think it aired on a on a network that you basically had to be in, like, the Toronto area to get. Because, like, mm. out here in the West, <laughs> we got, like, the Seattle stations. Okay. I didn't really get... Um, I think the original was on cable um, here. So, like, cable. It, it was one of the channels that, like, not everybody gets. It depends on what you paid for TV. Yeah. Whereas the new one is Netflix, obviously, and we do yeah. get it. Drag Race was weird, though. The first season of Drag Race that we got was season eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first drag show I saw, I saw was Bob the Drag Queen. So he um, came all the way out to this little tiny town in Saskatchewan. Um. <laughs> and my friends were like, we're going. So we went. And he was like, y'all Canadians. I don't know. I didn't know what it was that you guys love me more than any other drag queen. And then someone told me that your first season in Netflix was my season. So I'm your BB. You're welcome. <laughs> And it's true that kind of everyone's first exposure to Drag Race was Bob. Like, that was our quote-unquote first drag queen uh, superstar. And so it was this really interesting dynamic because then for me, as soon as I watched season eight, I was like, I need more. But the only one that my husband could find for me online, perhaps illegally, was (laughs) uh, season five. So I watched eight, then five, and then, like, I just bounced all over the place until all of it was released on Canadian Netflix. Uh, yeah, it's interesting how different my experience with it is sometimes compared to other people's. Now I'm thinking okay. about who would play Fanny in the movie version of this comic book. <laughs> <laughs> could Bob the Drag Queen do it? I'm yeah. sure he it's could. A style. Yes, I think the humor would almost be wasted. Like the Bob's natural charisma i feel like bob would be a funnier sybil mm. um and like ginger minge as fanny is what immediately <laughs> jumps to me because the age thing and uh like kind of old drag meets the future mm-hmm. um and they both have pubic themed drag names <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that would be my pick for fanny would be ginger minge I can't speak for any of these. I, I'm not really into reality TV, but the, <laughs> you're you're getting me interested. <laughs> Honestly, I I'm with you, Rob. Like, I don't watch reality TV as a like younger person. I did like watch The Bachelor and all that kind of stuff, but I I just couldn't deal with the. It felt a lot of the times like the producers were the ones creating drama, and we just were watching people react to it, or they were starting stuff to get more attention on TV to become mm-hmm. like a reality star whereas drag race the last couple seasons have been a little bit yeah. <laughs> more obvious but um like season six five eight nine those were all really good seasons i would highly okay. recommend 
um, because they do talk about, like I said, the history um, and their own personal um, connections to their community facing hardships. Um, like even in the most recent season, Valerie talked about there was an Atlanta shooting. Um, I don't remember the specific details. I think it was at a Wendy's or something. And so it really touches yeah. on really relevant current struggles that queer people are facing as well as the historic relevance. So I, mm. I recommend it. I'm not a huge reality person, so I don't recommend very many reality shows because I don't watch that many. But honestly, I also living in rural <laughs> prairies don't have much exposure or chance to go to live drag shows. Like, if Work the World ever came my way, <laughs> I would be there. But unfortunately, they just, I don't think they would have the ticket sales or the venues or what have you. Um, but Bianca Del Rio is coming, so I'm, I'm getting ready. <laughs> okay, now I have a firm belief that every experience in life has a lesson and as a species as people we can always evolve and do better and grow through these lessons so i will ask from this what can we learn are there any lessons at all that we can take away from this this story this book from these characters anything always save the dumpster baby (laughs) i like it if you see something do something that's it. It's also a very yeah. British thing. I went to London and on the tube, it had this like ad playing throughout the like different announcements. It was like, see something, say something, sorted. Oh, sorted. Like, there you yeah. go. Sorted. Yeah. Yes. So say, they have signs in, um, especially after 2001, there's been signs in New York public transit that say, see something, say something. Um, But that's like a report suspicious activity hotline, not Mm -hmm. encouraging people to intervene in situations. (laughs) Yeah, no, we've we've got that on on city transit in this area as well. What popped up in the past couple of years, that idea. But when when you started saying that, that is a very British thing, I thought you were going to say dumpster babies and uh, you went to london and there was just every dumpster there was a baby in it what? oh god that's horrifying i believe it would be a rubbish baby but oh god <laughs> terrible joke terrible joke i'm sorry yeah. oh, no. oh, we love the puns no. <laughs> no that one and uh mind the gap those were the two yeah on the tube yeah. that they kept playing over and over um Definitely. yeah i also I think the thing I learned from this was if you've been doing something for 25 years, get yourself a new wind machine. You deserve it, honey. Treat yourself. <laughs> exactly. doesn't matter how old it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, on a serious note, I think the thing I've learned from just drag queens the most in general is don't be afraid to try, even if it's just going to be in your house on a Saturday night watching movies. <laughs> If you want to do something weird to your hair or try a new eyeshadow or um, buy a wig. Like this year for Christmas, I put like a wig from Amazon on my Christmas list just in case. Because I love, I dyed my hair blue at one point, but it was one, super expensive to maintain. But two, it looked really good. Like every person I showed the photo to, like it doesn't matter age, gender, race, or creed. They're like, wow, 
that suits you. Like, it looks, with my, like, undertones and stuff, it just genuinely, genuinely complimented my skin tone in a weird way. And so I can't afford to do it. So I was like, a wig. I, I can afford a wig. <laughs> so, yeah, I haven't worn it much, but it's like, oh, I found it. Okay, well, am I doing anything this week? Mm, no, wore it to a friend's house one time, like, wore it around the house doing dishes. No, <laughs> but... <laughs> Just feel free to have fun with your own self-representation and how you feel most comfortable in your body, skin. Just have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I can... Sorry, go ahead. No, I just... I think that there was also sort of a lesson in here, um, you know, to hold hold on to your friends, hold on to the people you care about and remind them who they are and who you know them to be if they may be start acting a little monstrous Ooh, nice mm-hmm. yes uh, that's similar to the the lesson i got from this that i think fanny just displayed throughout the entire story is respect for your fellow person just no matter who they are if you show the person respect whether they be a monstrous version of a friend you knew 125 years prior or a baby left in a dumpster treat them like a person and one day they could have your back mm-hmm well said person first exactly yes so before we close up is there any last notes or topics that we want to bring up about the book or just in general i feel like we went on a lot of tangents throughout (laughs) (laughs) um this was i think like recommended to us or asked of us so if you have more by all means yeah this was fun yes definitely very good read Uh, i will definitely check out more and I'll be following the writer and artist very closely. I think that this is a, a very fun read. And if there's more out there, uh, other works you've got, we're definitely going to check it out. I, I know, I, I know, I will. It looks like the creator of this character, of the Fanny character, you can find at it's Shay Dorothy across all social media platforms. Okay, good. That's a good thing to have. So definitely take take a look at that. See what they've got in their repertoire. As for Chris Fields, was Hey Dorothy Comics the publisher of this one? Uh, oh, yes, looks like okay. it. It's oh, hey this was the publisher. That's right. But still, I'm sure if they're willing to publish this, they would have other content that might be worth reviewing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay, and and one last thing: Do we have a favorite moment or? part in the book that we we want to highlight i know i've got one um yeah i have one too and it's um sort of towards the end so without too much context um sybil announces in conversation that she's gonna turn back time but reading that panel i immediately heard it like she goes, I'm gonna turn, turn back time. Back time. I, heard it share. <laughs> <laughs> I felt I felt the share in that moment, and it was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was everyone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well done. I think mine was the like again, kind of with science fiction and time travel. There's a little bit of uh, grain of salt and some suspension of disbelief and. I really like the idea of dry queen DNA and that maybe we all have a piece. Maybe not 100% like some dry queens we know, but uh, we all have a piece because 
We're all born naked and the rest is drag, of course. Um, how much of your DNA is drag queen DNA? Sounds like one of those quizzes. <laughs> what percent drag yes. queen is? Yes. Mm, that's true. I had two that stood out for me and both were a little comedic at times. And they brought somebody from the future in the future and this man dressed like a weird ass robin hood it's like greetings i bring news from the future and he instantly gets shot and killed <laughs> I forgot about that. yeah and then during the I, I guess the drag queen uprising the queen of i think it was queen elizabeth just running or riding a horse through the streets of london <laughs> away from these drag queens on motorcycles and it's just so surreal that's an awesome page i love that. yeah I'm trying to remember if she had a purse or not. I think she did. <laughs> she, surely she must have. I, she must right? Have. That's all I ask. <laughs> I'm going to double check that right now. Oh, it's page 23. She does not appear to be holding a purse. Oh, She's holding the, the reins of the horse. Um, yeah. Oh, In, yeah. So it, is. <laughs> it, it is like a common joke. She's wearing her rubber boots, though. Yeah. Um, the, when the queen goes to any appearance, she always has, like, this little handbag. Like, it, it has a handle long enough to fit around her wrist, but the handbag is big enough to fit, like, a full book um, because she doesn't wear clutches. No, mm-hmm. no clutches for the queen. But honestly, she's never seen opening it. She's never, <laughs> like, I don't think she actually keeps anything in it ever, but if it's, like, it's a tea party, yes, it has to be, <laughs> or, or her day planner or her little black book or something, that, like, we never, ever see her at any kind of daytime event where she would have, like, a garden party or anything like that. She always, always, always has to have a purse with her, because the average woman would, and... Especially, I think, in her generation specifically, she's tried very hard to try and become more personable um, with the general population. Not that it's successful all the time, but... So, it's always just so funny to me that it's like, but does she have a handbag? (laughs) Because, honestly, if it really doesn't have anything in it and your palace is being stormed by a bunch of drag queens who have gone insane or drag bots, I don't think you'd be concerned about your (laughs) non-purse. I am going to spend the rest of the day speculating on what's in there (laughs) yes yes yeah i really liked the uh the sketchbook in the back of the book and and the the page that was mentioned uh you'll find on page 70 there were two uh two versions of it that was pretty cool Mm -hmm. looks like the the page uh changed to include the armed motorcycle riding drag queens chasing the queen (laughs) yeah and that, that's pretty cool. And that was cool, too. I'm one of those people who loves to see, like, works in progress or behind-the-scenes stuff. So having kind of the sketchbook at the back. That was a nice, nice touch. That was good to see. This was a really fun book. Y'all should pick it up. People listening. Other folks on the podcast, we've already read it. So we're good. But you should get <laughs> your own copy, listener. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. I, I'll say um, keep a lookout on, on Twitter we will get a link up there to the book where you could purchase it and take a look and a link to Chris Field's Twitter account and we'll get that going. 
It's a fun read, very much needed, and yet, like Caitlin said, just go pick it up. It's well worth it. And that's our show. Remember, you can help support the show by signing up for our Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash notarobotpodcasts for just a dollar a month, and get your name shouted out on the podcast of your choice, access to all of our material, and more. And I just want to thank you all again for giving us more love and more opportunities to bring you content that we love to talk about, all being LGBTQ+. And just keep a lookout for more. It's going to be a fun, fun ride. I can't wait. And as always, there's only one way we say goodbye around here. Be good to each other. Love yourself. And don't be a robot. Shut up, I'm gonna